Now let's get to the word today. I hope you're enjoying this series. I am, and this is the question bucket, not the offering bucket. Okay. Somebody was thinking, man, that preacher takes the offering bucket with him. No. This is the question bucket. And I'm gonna, I haven't looked at it this week, so there's your questions in there that we're going to try to look at a couple of them today. And um, I've just had a good time with this, and again, I hope you have. But our goal is this. Our goal is to be able to get clarity from God's Word and um, hopefully to clear up some misconceptions that we may have, uh, but also to, to gain that dependency on God's Word. And our key text has been in 2 Timothy. Look, we need, we need to get this in our spirit, okay? God's word is God's love letter to us. And it's our manual for living a, a life that's pleasing to the Lord. And the word of God and God's presence will keep us and lead us to all truth. We will not be deceived. If you're in God's word and you have fellowship with his spirit, you will not be deceived. Folks, deception is in the land today. And you always, we always need to know the truth, but especially today. The scripture says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful. Right now in my devotion, I'm reading the baguettes. Mm. And I just got to believe they're useful for something. And um, I'm, just, I'm, I'm going through them. I'm, pro- I'm trying to pronounce those names as correctly as possible. I'm going to read every word. I don't want to leave nothing out because God's word is useful <laughs> For teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that's not for the pastor, that's not just for the evangelist, that's for every Christian. God's word is for you, and we needed to get it in our spirit, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. I believe there's been some miracles happened already. I've been there's I believe there's some lives that have been touched and directions that uh, have been given today we yield ourselves to you we need you and we ask you to speak to us church would you pray this with me lord speak to my heart change my life in jesus name amen give somebody a high five i'm glad to see your point yeah something slap somebody do something let them know it's a husband has been waiting for that all morning long. <laughs> Be seated. We believe in having a good time in church also. Hey, would you welcome everybody watching online right now? Thank you. And y'all, let's, let's reach as many people as we can until Facebook puts us in jail. Hey, would you share this video? Um, be sure to share it um, if you do Facebook. Okay. So our goal is to look to God's word for some answers. If the Bible is clear about it, we're going to accept it. We're not going to make the word agree to our life. We're going to make our life agree to the word. Amen? And if the Bible is not clear, we're going to look for other biblical principles that apply. Just because the Bible says, do not smoke with marijuana with, doesn't mean that we can do that, okay? We can look at other principles. Marijuana with if there's still no answer, we pray for God's direction. We say, God, I want to live a life pleasing to you. Please speak to me. Lord, I want to, I want to do what you want me to do. I don't want to do what you don't want me to do. Show me. And that's, that's a heart that prays for God's direction. In other words, I'm not waiting for God to tell me yes to what I want to do. I want to know what God wants me to do. The Bible says to find out what's pleasing to the Lord. And for all unanswered questions, so important. And y'all, there is unanswered questions. The God, God does not give you an answer to everything. And if you got an answer to everything, you scare me. There are some answered questions, things that we don't know. I, I have a list of things that I say I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven. But I got a feeling I'm not going to care when I get to heaven. But for all of those unanswered questions, we must trust in God's love and faithfulness to us. That when I don't understand, even things that happen in my life, when I don't understand, 
I trust that God is good and he loves me. You've got to get those two things established. This is the way you serve God for the long haul. This is the way you see good from bad. This is the way you just have a faith that does not quit. When you know, God, you love me even though I don't understand it and don't even see it. And I believe you're doing good for me. The Bible says he does those two things. Okay, before we get too heavy, let me give you a joke. I haven't given you a Boudreaux joke in a long time. I quit because we had somebody visit named Boudreaux. We really did. So Boudreaux, if you're here, this is an honor of you. He made a visit to the city to pay his taxes on his one-eighth of an acre of swamp land. <laughs> and while he was in the tax assessor's office sitting down waiting, he, a guy sat down beside him in a, in a suit, and Boudreaux said, with that suit, you look pretty smart. The gentleman answered, well, I think so. I'm an attorney. Boudreaux said, well, Shay, you want to play a little game while we're here waiting? The gentleman said, sure. Boudreaux said, I'm going to ask you a question, and if you don't know the answer, you give me $100. The man said, okay, but what are, you going to do, what are you going to give me if I ask you a question that you don't know the answer? Boudreaux said, well, since I'm not nearly as smart as you is, I'll give you a dollar. The man agreed, and Boudreaux said, say, what has 10 eyes, 14 legs, two tails, and lives at the bottom of the black bayou? The man said, you got me. I don't know. And he handed Boudreaux a $100 bill. He asked, out of curiosity, what is it? Boudreaux said, I don't know either, and handed the man a dollar. <laughs> Who's smart? <laughs> Question number one. Are you ready? Question number one. This is a big one, and these, these are questions that in ministry... I get asked many times and, and um, different, phrased different ways, but it really comes down to these questions that I'm sharing with you. And these are some tough questions, some difficult questions. And question number one is this. Why does life, oh, there we go. Why does life seem unfair at times? Has anybody ever asked that question, would you raise your hand? I think everyone in this room would say, why does life seem so unfair at times? Especially you guys that are young in the Lord. If you notice, sometimes when you make a commitment to God, things get worse. And, well, one of the reasons, I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer to that one, Satan don't like to lose his territory. But he's lost, you just stay with the Lord, okay? But why does life seem unfair and there are three facts about what's fair. Mom and dad, you should write these down. Your teenager is going to say, that's not fair. Here it is, three facts about fair. First of all, number one, fairness is relative. What we think is unfair or fair depends on our view. For example, someone who wants a certain brand of shoes thinks it's unfair that they don't have them until they meet someone who has no shoes at all. Katrina testified to some of that, that how thankful she is now that after she saw people with really need. Then that person that has no shoes may think it's unfair until they meet someone who has no feet. One thing I've discovered is that um, thankfulness comes from, from, spec from my perspective. When I really begin to see things God's way. We base what is fair on our perspective. And what is not fair to you may not only seem fair to someone else, but it may seem like a blessing to them. So fair is relative. Fairness requires justice. Our knowledge is not enough to judge what's fair. We cannot see in a person's heart. You know, the Bible says that even my own heart can deceive me. Only God can judge what is fair, and he is a fair God. The scripture says, he rules the world in righteousness and judges the peoples with equity. 
If God judges you know, uh, if God judges you now, you know it's his love toward you. See, there'll be a day that we all stand before judgment. Us Christians will stand before the for for God's excuse me the judgment my mind went blank the judgment seat of Christ yes everyone else stands before the great white throne judgment we'll all be judged Christians will be judged for our works and our motives everyone else will be judged for everything you've ever done there'll be a time that we're judged and at that time the judgment is final but today when God judges your heart it's called conviction I want you to remember, conviction is love toward you. When God shows me something, it's because he loves me, and he wants something better for me. Another way to say conviction, another way to think of conviction is is convincing. God wants to convince you there's something better. If you keep going that way, it's not going to end good. I'm going to show you the correct way. And so God's... It's never to push you away when God judges you today, when he convicts your heart. It's not to push you away. It's to bring you closer and closer to him. Isn't that a wonderful God? So fairness, fairness is, requires just, uh, excuse me, justice. The third thing about fairness is this. Fairness is not always favorable. We want what's fair, but... Sometimes we don't want to get what's fair. Anybody thankful for mercy? If God treated us fairly, we would be in trouble. But God's mercy, hear me, God's mercy and grace is not fair. He treats us better than we should. We deserve the penalty for our sins. That is fair. But mercy intervenes. Scripture says mercy triumphs judgment. Aren't you so thankful? Isaiah says this, Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Aren't you thankful that your sins are forgiven? If you got some major problems today, but your sins are forgiven, you got something to be thankful for. I mean, you could have some bad stuff happening right now, but if your sins are forgiven, you can be thankful today. So fairness, there's some things about fairness. Mercy's not fair. A man was having his portrait painted by a very successful artist, and when the portrait was finished, it was unveiled, and The man was unhappy with the result. When asked if he liked it, the man said, I don't think it does me justice. The painter replied, sir, it's not justice you need, but mercy. (laughs) That's funny. All right. Let me look in the bucket and pull one out. Lord, let this be an easy question. I'm tired of those hard questions. Oh, this one's folded and everything. All right, let me see, let me see. Okay, if you are Pentecostal and your future is Catholic, is that an equally, oh, excuse me, and your future is Catholic. Thank you. Maybe that's what it is. It don't look like fiance, but I'm going to take it as, as that. Is that unequally yoked? You know, that is a very difficult one. I've seen, I've seen it many times where a, a person from one denomination marries a person from another denomination, and sometimes it works. Uh, but I say a lot of times it just doesn't. It's very difficult. And there is a level of intimacy that that couple does not experience because there's some parts of their spiritual life, which is the most important part, that does not agree with each other. Now, if you're in that situation, I'm not saying divorce that person. I'm saying you live for the Lord with all your heart. I will say, and I encourage people, try to go to church together. You know, I've seen couples go to different churches. And again, maybe that works for you. I know it's got to be very difficult. But the main thing is you go with God with all your 
heart, okay? And, and com- completely commit to God. You know, even though we're a non-denominational church, we're not against denominations, I'm telling you. That's not our reason for being non-denominational. But I would say this, we are a word church. And it doesn't matter the label over the door, you want to make sure it's the whole Bible. So when, you, when I'm talking about going after God, you get into the whole word. You, you receive all that you can from the Spirit of God, and you won't go wrong with that. But there may be some hiccups in the marriage. I've seen that happen. All right, let's do another question. Okay, this one's folded, just like I asked. Let's see. See how far I have to hold it? Oh, I like this one. What is the most important thing I can do to please God on a daily basis? I want y'all to help me with this one. Raise your hand to give me an answer one at a time. Just somebody raise their hand. All right, Jeff, give me an answer. Yes. Spend that time with him every day. Acknowledge him every day. That's a good answer. Anyone else? All right, come on, Marty. Listen to him. Awesome. Prayer and exercise faith daily. Anyone else? Because there ain't nothing else. Well, on the back row, Wandra. Be thankful. Ma, so important. Anyone else? Ooh, you're talking now, sister. Praise him in the good and the bad. Now, these are good. Someone else. Y'all answered. The, I'm taking a break on this one. Anyone else? Yes. Be a witness to him. Yes, ma'am. Obey him. Because mm. you can have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. That's good. So what I have discovered in my own life is when I get up and spend my time with the Lord, all those other things that were mentioned just sort of take place. Being a witness, praising him. If I put him first in the morning and acknowledge him as my God and understand that he's with me, I just draw from him all day long. You can just go down the road praying and praying in the spirit and praising God. I mean, you have your strength. I asked the Lord one time, I've always heard go to the prayer closet. How many of you have heard that? It's like, why is it the closet? Why, why the prayer closet? And the Lord said, well, that's where you go to get ready in the morning. You go to your closet and put on clothes. Well, the scripture says to clothe yourself with the things of the Lord. So when you just get up every day, man, I encourage you, if you're not spending any time with God, start 10 minutes of your day. I mean, start with 10 minutes. God, I devote these 10 minutes to you today. And put him first. Acknowledge him. You'll be surprised at the way your life just changes throughout the day. Because you'll hear him say, I do that. Hey, go tell this person I love them. You'll start hearing things. you start obeying the Lord. You'll start wanting to praise him throughout the day. So important. I think, look, all of these things are important. They come from life in the spirit. Get up and spend daily time with the Lord, okay? Maybe we'll get to another question in a moment. Thank you all for your help. Let me, give you, let me give you this one to see if you can help me, okay? Question number four. Is drinking alcohol wrong? Now, y'all don't get quiet on me now. <laughs> I've been tempted to do this, and Patty's talked me out of it. But I've been tempted. I can't do it now because I'm telling you. But I've been tempted to bring a Budweiser up here on the full fit. And before I start preaching, just pop the tab. The, the tab, not the top. Tab. Is it the tab? I ain't drinking so long, I don't even know what it's called no more. What would y'all think about your pastor sipping a Bud while we're talking? How many would say that's okay? Raise your hand, let the Lord love on you. I think we got the answer to the question. Because I'm no different than you. I just want to see how quiet they can get in this room. <laughs> it's quiet. Man, that's quiet. I, I, I knew a, I heard a flea scratch its ear just then. 
So let's look at it, y'all. Let's, let's look at the, the answer from God's word. So uh, if drinking is wrong, why would Jesus' first miracle be to turn water into wine? Okay, so we, then that poses another question to me. Was the wine fermented? How do we know? Just because they called it wine doesn't mean it was fermented. Let's go back to our original guidelines, okay? Because that is, that's Jesus' first miracle, right? And if I wanted to drink a little bit, that would be the one I would pull out. Wait a minute, brother. Jesus turned water into wine. And it was good wine because man said, you say the best to the last. Let's go back to the original guideline. You remember, if the Bible is not clear, we look to other scriptures for context. Proverbs 20, verse 1 says this, Wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. Now, some of us, that's happened to us in our past. I'm raising my hand. Galatians 5 19 through 21 says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, uh-oh, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, and orgies. We will not touch that. And the like. <laughs> and the like. There's others. List drunkenness. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So is it just these things? As a Christian, do I have a list of these things in my pocket? No, he says there's other things. It's the works of the flesh is the key. These are works of the flesh. And he mentioned drunkenness. And I understand, I've, I've heard it before, well, well, pastor, I don't, I don't drink to get drunk. Okay, we're going to look at that in just a moment, okay? So these are some obvious uh, scriptures that, that will apply. If the wine Jesus made was, oh, excuse me, was the wine Jesus made fermented? Let's, let's ask this question. Would Jesus do anything that would lead his people astray? If, if God's word says, do not drink to get drunk, would Jesus make his first miracle, wine? Would he make something that would lead somebody to, to sin? No, you cannot tell me that. There's no way I can believe that he would make something, his first miracle, mind you, something that would hurt someone. So let's look at five reasons Christians should not drink alcohol. Okay? This is a touchy one. I get it. But I get asked questions like this. This question itself. Five reasons. First of all, number one, there is nothing good about it. Well, brother, I just like to drink it for medicinal person, person, personal reasons. And, you know, there was a time where alcohol would have been used. But it was very destructive even then. There's nothing. You cannot tell me one good thing about drinking alcohol. But I can give you a whole list of destructive things that I have seen and you have seen. And even in our own lives. Families destroyed. Uh, husbands addicted and, and leaving homes. You'll hear Pastor Eugene, his, you, if you've heard him preach, you've heard his testimony, how he would leave for days on a binge, binge drinking, drinking mouthwash and things like that. I bought some spray paint at, at Home Depot. for it. I've never really had them do this before, but they have to. I was doing self-checkout, and it was spray paint, and they had to come and clear me. I said, why for spray paint? They said because people would do this to get the vapors, addictions. 
You, I, cannot come up, I cannot come up with one good thing about alcohol. But I can come up with a list of bad, and you can too. And the scripture says to abstain from every form of evil. Second reason, it's a part of your sinful past. I know it is mine. Alcohol leads to sin. I don't want anything from my past that, that in my present. I don't want anything from my destructive past in my present. Do you? I mean, I've done some stupid things drinking. Drinking and driving. Had a friend that I worked with. I know I've shared this story before. At work, I didn't see him for a while, and I asked somebody, hey, where's old, what's his name? I forget his name, because I wouldn't say it anyway if I did. Where's, where's he at? I said, you haven't heard? So no, he's in prison. He came home the other night from a party. Cop had a girl, two girls pulled over on the side of the road, and because he was drunk, he got in, in a trance with those police lights, and he missed the cop car, but hit the car in front and killed those two girls. And he's in prison now. And I couldn't help but think about my own foolish past. There are certain songs as a Christian that I don't even want to hear. Because it puts me right back to where I was at that time. I don't want anything to identify me with my past. Do you? The Bible says I'm a new creation. Number three is a big one. It's bad witness to others. So as a mature Christian, I've heard people say, well, you just don't have mature faith. If you have mature faith, you would be okay with drinking. Huh? Does that even make sense? I mean, stop and think about the ignorance that just came out your mouth. Y'all can lighten up a little bit, okay? But think about that. You're not mature enough to drink. Oh. What happens as a, as a mature person, I feel like it's okay. And then I see a young person that's just committed their life to Christ that had an alcoholic past. And they say, well, the, if the mature Christian, not even a pastor, if the mature Christian can do it, I think I could do it too. Well, brother, see, I don't drink out in public. I drink at home. Heard that too. Let me ask you a question. Do you want your children drinking? Ooh. I'm finna say I'm glad we took up the offering already, but we haven't. If you come back next week and the lights ain't on, you know what happened. <laughs> it's a bad witness to others. Number four, God may consider drunkenness differently. Well, brother, I don't drink to get drunk. I just drink to take the edge off. Okay. Let me ask you this question. If God, what does God consider drunk? What does God's breathalyzer look like? You say buzz, he may say drunk. Is it worth it? If God says that I can miss heaven over being a drunk, is it worth it? I just like the taste. Well, get you some without it. And you can't, if you like the taste of beer, you already addicted. I know from experience. And then here's the last thing. We, we'll move on to an easier question. Y'all can lighten up a little bit then. Number five, alcohol is only a substitute for the joy of the Lord. I'm sure sometimes people think I'm still sipping on something because I'm just happy in the Lord. And the scripture says this, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. It's just a substitute of what God wants to do in your life. I know from experience, I used to think I had to drink to have a good time. And I had to drink more than anybody else. And it didn't end up very well. But I know in the spirit, I have no regrets. It always ends up with peace and joy. So there you go. Yes, Lord. Okay, okay. Now, you got that? <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus.
Yeah. If you don't come back to church next Sunday, I know that was the question that got you. All right, I want to get to this one. I was hoping to get another one out of a bucket, but let me get this one. Number five. This is so huge. I've been asked this a bunch of times. Can you lose your salvation? How many of you would say, yes, brethren, you can? Would you raise your hand? Raise it up high. Don't be ashamed of your view. All right, all right. Yes, you can lose your salvation. How many of you say, no, you cannot lose your salvation? Raise your hand. Thank you, thank you. Come on, don't be ashamed. Raise it up high. Yeah, just look. Ain't nobody going to. Oh, <laughs> I don't wonder why they were looking at me so weird. Thank you. So there's quite a few of us that says you cannot, okay? So we're going to look at that. Let's look at God's word. If you've been brought up into a ch- in a church that believes you cannot lose your salvation, you probably have heard scriptures like this. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Awesome verse, right? My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Jude says this. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Now, I was not brought up in a church like that. I was brought up in a church that if you sneezed at the wrong time in church, you were going to hell. So these are verses that I heard. (laughs) I am the vine, you are the branches. Oh, the devil don't like this, does he? That's all right. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you do not remain in me, ah, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Ah, That's the way it was given to me. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. And I knew I was a branch. Revelation says this to the one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. You say, well, Pastor, that sounds like a very encouraging verse. Uh Uh-uh. From the way I was raised, I see it different. He said, I will not blot out their name. That means he's got a blotter. He got some white out up in heaven. He said, oh, Bobby, yeah. Mm. How many of you sort of feel like you can lose that? You already raised your head one time. So when I was, I've shared this with you before, when I was, um, my very first speaking experience was in a youth group, and they asked me to give my testimony. And I stood up and shared my testimony. And um, as I began to share, I talked about how I backslid. I I knew I walked away from God as a teenager, which I did. And I knew I was going to hell, which I believe I was. And And I was giving my little testimony. First time, first time giving my testimony in front of people. And I heard a teenager raise their hands like, Sort of tried to ignore them. Then like another one raised their hand. But man, I must be doing so good. They're asking me some theological questions. And and so, okay, so what, what, what you got? And the person said, how can you lose your salvation? How can you go to hell? Because like, I was sinning. I can go, I was, I was away from God. I was going to hell. They said, no, the Bible says that you can never, no one can pluck you out of God's hand. I said, but I can pluck myself. I wasn't living for God. And the other person asked me the same, basically the same question. And and to be completely honest, I had no defense. And what it did for me, it drove me to God's word. I had to start thinking, why do I believe what I believe? Maybe I'm not correct. I started looking to God's word. 
And again, I've asked, been asked this question many times. So, in a sense, both are correct. Okay? So, when we give our lives to Christ, we give our lives to Christ. God gave me and you a will that, hear me, that within ourself is, it, it has, it, it limits him. I won't say it's more powerful than him, but I'm talking about within myself. He will not override my will. He will not override your will. I've heard people get mad at God because somebody would not serve God. God is not going to do that. He's not going to make anybody serve him. That would not be love, right? But he gave me a will. And my will is my choice. And when I give my will to God, that means my heart is turned toward God. And when I give my will to God, my heart is turned toward God, and I mess up and blow it, which we all do, huh? And then God shows me something. Because my will is to please God, it's given to God, my life to God. When he shows me something, I repent and I move on. Well, what if you do it over again? Well, I repent and I move on. Well, what if you do it? I repent and I do my best to move on. Now, you've got to be very careful not to abuse grace. But when my will is pointing toward God, hear me, I cannot lose my salvation. I can mess up and, and, and blow it and, and uh, the, the Lord convicts me. Uh, you know, and then my job then to keep my will submitted to God is to repent. And move on with the Lord. But hear me. If should I ever, the Lord convicts me, I said, yeah, yeah, and, and um, that's all right then. And I do it my way. And then the Lord, he is long-suffering. And he'll come and convict me again. I say, oh, yeah, yeah, but I'm going to stay this way. That means I take my will back from God. And my decision then, it, I've broken covenant with God. Now, I know about the, the, the terminology of losing um, relationship with God, but you're still covered it. I just cannot see that. When I take my will back from God, I am going my own way. Now, as long as my will is submitted to, to God, I don't fear judgment. I just know I want to please God. But my will is my choice. God is not going to make me go to heaven if I don't want to. God is not going to make me serve him if I don't want to. Now, saying all of that, I have to again remind us, God is long-suffering. I think I shared this before, maybe even last Sunday. I can't keep up. But there was a time in my life that the Holy Spirit had to show me I was no longer convicted by his spirit. And that was probably the scariest day in my spiritual life. That I realized that I had been sinning, 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 and no longer convicted. And if the Lord, I knew then, if the Lord had not shown me that, I would have continued on my way forever walking away from him. And he showed me, and when he did, I repented. So if your heart's pointing toward God, please don't be fearful of judgment. When he shows you something, you've got to repent. God, I'm sorry, I blew it. And should you die before you have a chance to repent, I believe you're going to heaven. But... I cannot see anything in that scripture that says I can say a one-time prayer and do whatever else I want to, and just because I said a prayer and shook the pastor's hand, I'm forever going to heaven. I just don't see that in scripture. Matthew 24 says this. At that time, many will turn away from the faith, and this is Jesus, and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. What happens if I get to heaven? You get to heaven and God says, you know, Bobby, you really could have done a whole lot more than you thought was sin. You really could have done it. I'm not going to miss it. I would rather err on that side then when I get to heaven, I don't get to heaven.
Jesus said this, if your hand or foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands and two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. Wow. You remember, we take the Bible as a whole, okay? And if you research scriptures, of which I really have, your heart's pointing toward God, you don't have to worry about judgment. Just give your heart to him. Man, you'll have a greater life than you can ever imagine anyway. And if he tells you something, anything the Lord has convicted me of, I'd gladly not do because the benefits of, of serving him is a whole lot greater. He goes on to say, and if your eye causes you to stumble, gorge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Would you stand, please? So let's make sure we just give our heart to God. Y'all can't be coming up here blind, crooked, and lame and trying to, we ain't got enough ushers to get you to your seat. <laughs> Y'all okay about laughing a little bit. Sometimes we, it's okay to laugh a little bit. We just going to serve God. How many of you have served God and have blown it in the last month? Would you raise your hand? I'm glad I got some folks here that are honest before the Lord. I'm raising my hand. Now, do I want to blow it? No. Am I abusing grace? No. I'm just trying to live life. But somebody is going to cut me off in front of the road. <laughs> and I ain't going to cuss them. That's not in me no more. But I'll be a lie to say if I didn't want to ram them off the road. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, there is no love going on in my heart. I ain't cursing them. No, no, no. But I want to hit them. And the Lord has to say, that's not love. And I say, Lord, forgive me. That's not love. I mean, I think it was just last week the Lord... Let me know my love was leaking a little bit. I can't do that. I can't let my love leak. I need him too much. Anybody like me, you know you are. I need him too much. And what he's done in my life is, is so much greater than anything else. I want to please him. See, he gives us that heart. We want to please him. So real quickly before we pray, three signs of salvation. Three signs. How do you know you're saved? Well, first of all, you've got a love for God. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus said on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Love, you've got to have love for God. How do you get love for God? He gives it to you. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He gives you everything. You come with your brokenness, with your mess, with your pride. And you say, God, here I am. And he gives you love, salvation, his spirit, eternal life. How will you not? How would you not want to serve him? So love for God, then he gives you a love for others. Now, this one's tricky. You've got to put this one into practice. You've got to let it flow out of you. Anytime in my life that I'm not having love for people, probably my love for God, I'm not spending time with God. Because God's love is for me and it's to give to others, okay? So you've got to have love for others. And today i got a feeling there's probably a few of us that your love for others is running short. You running on fumes. And maybe God needs to fill up your love tank today. And he will do that. I've had to ask him many times, God, I just ain't feeling it. And he will. He will. He'll give you a love for others. I'm telling you, it's wonderful to have love for others. Even if they don't receive it from you, it's wonderful to go through life loving people. I mean, it's for your benefit, too. You feel at peace. You feel at purpose. Joyful just to have love for others. There's still some good people out there. It really is. And if, even if you say, well, I ain't around them, God still loves them. That's going to be another message. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Here's another one of those verses. It's tough. 
Does it say what I think it says? Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And man, Satan's working overtime to steal your love for others. He wants to steal God. And then the third, love for God, love for others, then change life. Those two things will change your life. They will, man. Loving God, God, I just want to please you. God, you've done so much for me. How do I please you? And then, God, I just want to love people. I just want to do good for people. I want other people to know you. That will change your life, those two things. And Jesus replied, anyone who does who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and he will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. So I always pray, Lord, what, what kind of work do you want to do today during prayer time? And it's always salvation, right? It is. The Holy Spirit wants you to have a relationship with him. Again, the way I was brought up, it was a shameful thing to need God. It was almost a shameful thing to, this is just the way I read it as a child, it was almost a shameful thing to have to come up and repent. I'm so glad that God taught me about grace. That man, he loves you so much. And just like any loving parent would try to keep their child from, from doing something that would harm themselves, God is that loving father to you, greater than a love for, that a father has. Sometimes the, the rebuke is, hey, don't do that. Sometimes it's, a, it's more of a yell, hey, you're going to hurt yourself. Don't do that. He'll put things in your way. How many of you as a kid took off running toward the road and your mom and dad snatched you up? And they didn't care about how they snatched you. They just snatched you by the nap of the head, jerk you back. And you're looking all funny and crazy like, what did you do that for? Because you're finna get hit by a car. And sometimes maybe God has to snatch you. But it's love. Try to make this just as simple and plain as I can. That's God's love. And somebody today, the Lord is working on snatching you. Man, he is just, he is, you're taking it as a negative. It's a positive. It's love toward you. Would you bow your head just for a moment? I'm going to say a prayer. We call it the commitment prayer. Some would call it the sinner's prayer. It's a prayer that initiates a relationship with God. It's a prayer that says, God, I'm putting my faith in you, and I'm asking you to forgive me, and I'm coming to you, I'm committing to you. It's a prayer to be taken serious. It's a prayer to be followed through with a life obedient to the Lord, a, a will committed to him. And I'm telling you, you will not regret it. I can promise you, you will not regret giving your life to the Lord. The only thing you won't regret is, God, I shouldn't have wasted all that time. Can we pray it together? We love to say it out loud here. And um, if you're at home watching this or whenever you watch this video, God, is, God will use this video to speak to your heart. Church, let's pray it together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Would you forgive me for all my sins? Would you come into my heart? Would you change my life? And I'm going to do my best to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads bowed just for a moment. You see, that was me, man. That was my prayer today. Would you just wave your hand up to the Lord and thank him? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just thank him. Thank you. You did it for me today. You did it for me today. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that. I want to pray a couple other prayers and we'll be dismissed. Okay, just bear with me just for a moment. The Lord just put this on my heart. There's some addiction that God's fixing to break. Okay? So I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand if you're addicted to something. I'm just going to ask you to ask the Lord to break that addiction. So nobody's going to know here. Okay? Nobody's going to know. But God already knows. 
And I just want you to ask him, Lord, break it for me. Now, he put that in my heart for someone. You're fixing to get free if you want to be free. In the name of Jesus, your addiction is broken by the authority that comes in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you today. You're setting captives free. No more addiction in Jesus' name. Broken now. Lord, broken now. As they give it to you, they're asking you. You told me to pray for them. Addiction is broken off their life in Jesus' mighty name. I felt that. I feel it. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And he's going to give you a plan. If that was you, he's going to give you a plan so you don't step back into that noose again, okay? You just stay free. want to pray. Oh, one other prayer, if that's okay. If you want to be closer to the Lord, you say, man, I just want to be closer to him. Man, I just want to be closer. Would you just raise your hand? Father, in Jesus' name, we're raising our hands, wanting to be closer to you. Lord, would you draw us by your spirit? Would you do that? Lord God, would you wake us up at midnight with thoughts of prayer? Lord, would you put a praise in our hearts throughout the day? Lord, would you give us a desire for your word? If you don't give it, we don't have it. Lord God, would you give us a hunger for your presence? Lord, even now, begin moving on your people. Move on us with the pre your presence, oh Lord. Let us feel your touch. Draw us closer and closer to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Ooh, somebody this week, if you still ain't convinced about the alcohol thing, ask the Lord to get you drunk. Drunk in his spirit. That is just a life, man, just full on him, amen. Hey, so great, so glad you were here today. I'm so glad to see some, like I said, some dear friends. And um, next Sunday will be the last Sunday, I believe, of this series. And we'll get back to some, some normal kind of preaching. Uh, but I hope you, like I said, I hope you've got something from this today. Uh, then uh, Pastor Eugene will be with us two Sundays from today. It's going to be a great time in the Lord. And let me say a blessing over you. If you have offering, devote that to the Lord. I'm telling you, proclaim a multiplication over your life, okay? Every day after I read my devotion, I open up my checking account, okay? I don't try to balance my checking anymore. I used to try to do that. But before I open my checking account on my phone, I say, thank you, Lord, for multiplication. And I'm telling you, I have seen it. I will continue to see it. It's God's will for his people. So pray for yourself, multiplication. Over, now put him first in your finances, right? Give him tithes, give it unto him, give offerings when he says it. But you proclaim multiplication over your finances. It's his finances anyway, okay? Let me say a blessing. Oh, if you want to give, you can give on the way out or tithely, those other ways. Raise your hand if you like this blessing over your life. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Have a great